0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport, powered by fans.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love.
3: Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of com. Joining me to discuss kind of a failed attempt at trying to break the trauma of playing West Ham in recent seasons, Mr. Chris Budd and Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome back. Hello. How are you doing? Hello. Not too bad. I was hoping to break the curse of Moyes. It was, was it, 13 games without a win against David Moyes? Before His the teams? Game, yeah. And it
0: would have been a great time as well with... with- other teams losing, we could have put a little dent in that top half, but alas, 11th it is.
3: At least we stopped the rot of consecutive losses against West Ham, which was at five before our trip to the London Stadium or whatever you call that uh, shite hole. Uh... Yeah.
4: Still haven't won on that taxpayers' heaven.
3: Although if you're in the way end, you wouldn't know anyway because it's so far away from the pitch. I mean, it's, it's an atrocious viewing section. They're away seating well, the in. really? Yeah, it's not even fitting for athletics. I, I, I still don't get how and why they built that as they did. But anyway, uh, this is not an architectural show. We're, we're going to cut straight into the show. We haven't got time for small talk because we are recording this straight after the game. Chris Bird has to go and entertain some pissed up paddy parade party people. <laughs> Nice bit
0: of alliteration there, David.
3: <laughs> yes. Well, our resident Irishman is ill at the moment, apparently. So uh, his stamina is waning already. There wasn't much to begin with, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up in the show, we will like get into the Villa news, and also we'll have a look at the three points. What's happening outside of the Villaverse? Before getting into Villa's trip to West Ham, and then rounding it off with a bit of media muppetry and some miscellaneous Villa talk. No time for Emery's clipboard this week, but uh, let's get into the Villa news. Are we? Are we going to talk about Gary Lineker, or should we just get into the
4: Villa news? <sighs> the news. We'll see them for later.
3: Some uh, clarity on injuries. First of all, Diego Carlos probably on the bench because we're we're running low on numbers. But uh, good to see him back. I think at the time of injury. This is the time we probably expected him to come back. I remember uh, in a meeting with Purslow, I think in October, in I think around November. It was just before Gerard got the sack, wasn't it, basically? Yeah, he'd actually uh, said that Carlos was ahead of schedule and uh, they were looking for him to be back at it training in January. So that would have suggested he was ahead of schedule. But I think where he's ended up is... Pretty much where you expected uh, at the, the time one. of injury. You can't rush
0: it, either, can you? I yeah. think they're quite you know, sort of niggly
3: ones. But at least he's uh, amongst it now, and it'll be interesting to see how he gets back in the team, uh, Carlos, and whether mm. uh, legitimately it will be during the summer where he has to, you know, fight for a fight for his shirt, so to speak. Yeah,
0: yeah, because you're not just going to throw him in, are you? Mid match. Yeah. If it's a tight game, if you've won the game, pretty much, then it's like, okay, you can give him minutes here and there. But
3: Because Konza and Mings are like an established partnership, it's not as if we've we've got like a backup who's been filling in temporarily that he'll just take over from naturally. He's he's going to have to be ready, really ready to uh, get a starting place, I would imagine. Anyway, yeah. moving on, uh, Dendonka, still a mystery, but uh, is it a domestic injury or...? Apparently, I mean that's a weird one. You could could get very creative with what that could have been. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's not speculate. <laughs> well, Kamara appears to be better than uh, we first expected. I, w- I would say he w- he will come back after the international break immediately. I, d- I don't think we're gonna he's going to miss many games after the break. Well,
0: Emery said the West Ham game was a bit too soon for him, which would maybe would it suggest he might be in contention for Bournemouth? I don't know. He might just be in the wording. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It might be
3: that he's back for Bournemouth. I wouldn't expect it. To, uh, it would be more of a bonus, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And Coutinho, obviously, uh, he's won uh, for April. Moving on, the Lone Boys doing well. Little Timmy, Robinham scored, Archer scored, Ramsey scored, both the latter two at Borough. They're doing really well, aren't they? Elsewhere, Villa Under-18s have secured a place in the Under-18 Premier League Cup final after beating Charlton 3-2. They'll play either Sheffield United or Spurs. Buendia is back involved in the Argentinian squad. Yeah, I think they've got a couple of friendlies coming up, so it's the kind of games he would, yeah. you know, he would play in. Well, they'd certainly you know,
0: take a look at him in.
3: Unfortunately not in the squad when they did the greatest thing in recent history and won the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers. And the Villa women have followed up a win against one team around them, Everton, with uh, another win with another team around them, West Ham. This is after earlier on in the season losing back-to-back games to Everton and West Ham, which you thought, eh, they're probably not there yet this season but they have were just gelling it together now they've beaten Everton and West Ham in consecutive weeks with a uh, 2-1 win over West Ham which overlapped Villa's Villa men's team uh, game at West Ham so uh, that should really secure 5th place I would imagine unless there's a a serious implosion but I think that's that's a team enjoying playing and there's a good camaraderie uh, amongst them as well
0: Yeah and I think because they've got
3: they play Leicester next don't they were
0: obviously bottom of the table um, so there's yeah. you know, more opportunities to actually put a nice big gap between them and Everton beneath them.
3: Right, time for three points. Point number one, obviously the the Fandango BBC have caused themselves. I mean, it's just an implosion, really. Match of the day was reduced to twenty minutes. I, I mean, I'm I'm into minimalism, but I kind of watched a bit of that, and you just think this is completely unnecessary. Yeah. There's a lot of hypocrisy involved. And it's, you know, it's something on, you know, this isn't like a right and left issue. Everybody tries to get these things into binary tribalism to whatever political party they uh, support anybody who's reasonably sane realises this is a it's an infringement on freedom of speech really the bbc were happy for him to and everybody on the match of the day sorry their world cup coverage to uh, criticize qatar but as soon as you put the lens at their own government when you look at his tweet, you know he didn't never mention Nazi Germany or anything like that. It's, it's it's talking about semantics and what happened in Germany in the early 30s, and this is something you can level at uh, the U.S. government under the last administration. This playbook was scarily similar, and it's you know it's demonization of of people if you want to change in immigration policy all well and good but you don't need to uh, use the kind of clumsy words that they uh, that they used
0: it's strange because obviously you know linica was allowed, allowed to obviously talk about the Qatar stuff on air and i would actually kind of get if the argument was gary linica shouldn't be spouting his beliefs in the middle of punditing match of the day or something yeah he's done it on twitter i kind of yeah. get it if it's in broadcast and it's, and it's viewed about impartiality and all that sort of stuff because he obviously is a person with a huge platform and can wield influence. But he's dating fact, and he's done it on his own platform. Uh, point number two,
3: the Barcelona story that uh, we spoke about this last week. It was a few weeks ago, wasn't it? I think yeah. this,
4: one, this one popped up, yeah, a couple of weeks back. Uh,
3: in terms of uh, refresh our memories, what was happening before?
4: it was barcelona um between 2014 and 2018 paid about 2.9 million euros to the head of the the spanish referees federation for what they called advice on refereeing yeah.
3: so what's happened uh this week
4: well they thought it had all went away and you know it was oh he's no longer there and you water on the bridge and everything else but the la liga have actually taken them up on it and of course barcelona's rivals real madrid not missing an opportunity to take, take them down are also going to join like it's almost like joining a class action they're also join, going to join the complaint in this case because they feel that there was unfair refereeing in barcelona's games during this period And this is during
3: the period of 2014 to 2018. Yes. So it's going to run and run. So watch out uh, for that. Yeah, essentially they are being charged with corruption. Admittedly, you
0: can blame it on the refs. The other teams can if you want, but if you can't get the fucking hold of the ball, then it doesn't really make much difference. And the team (laughs) through that period couldn't get, no one could get near them anyway. (laughs) You didn't need the
3: refs. Yeah. Point number three. Somebody needs a new hairdo and uh, new teeth. Stephen Gerrard uh, allegedly has <laughs> uh, flown to Turkey to hold talks with uh, Trezeguet's team, is it not? Yeah, Pric- Trav's
0: on Spore, of course, formerly knocking Villa out of the uh, UEFA Cup in, was it 94?
3: Yeah, that's why the I mentioned the, the name. Mm-hmm. Was, that, was that the way goals for all one? It was. The one yeah, we I played thought that thought it was. white kit. Yeah. That's uh, it's an
0: interesting one. Is that where he's at now? It's a bit soon, see. It's isn't a bit that? soon.
3: This is normally like when you're, you know, when you're kind of, uh, as a player, you're normally early 30s and you're kind of running out of options. But top Turkish teams will basically pay top dollar for your name. And uh, this is kind of what they're doing here. They're, they're paying for the Gerard name. From their point of view, it would probably be a coup, wouldn't it, in terms of eyeballs? we've been down this
4: we've been down this road before getting Gerard being a coup <laughs> didn't <laughs> it? Went
5: well yeah cuckoo. but uh,
4: <laughs>
3: from a, from a Turkish point of view it builds the profile of the Turkish league so I understand uh, what, where they're going here and provides him you know following in the footsteps of uh, Souness uh, in some respects Yeah He's going to be see. putting a flag in the ground is yeah. Then? yeah Can't see that Right Let's get into the West Ham game We're actually recording this hot on the heels of it, which uh, is normally rare. Normally we have 24 hours of uh, decompressing and mulling over, Consider- careful consideration, some meditation, <laughs> maybe some yoga.
0: <laughs> what
3: else do we do? And we're recording in the daylight. <laughs> yes. We've already laid out what was at stake here. Regardless of this season, there's the overall specter. Why, why don't we play well against West Ham? Why are we getting tonked? We've been beaten the last five times. Haven't won in nine games. And And then there's the extra layer of weirdness is David Moyes 13 games but Villa haven't beaten him you know whatever team he's managing you know David Moyes I mean looking at his interview before the game you know he was was kind of bigging up Emery in terms of his experience and what he's achieved I was surprised how Villa were able to pretty much play the way that Emery wants us to play and let's have a you know have possession and dictate play because the first half percentage. We were like, we were like, I think it was 69 percent uh, of possession. But that's getting ahead. In terms of the team selected, I think the the only surprise, or some people called it. We thought he might just play it safe because we were away. And West Ham do have a height advantage uh, that he would go for Chambers if uh, Dendonka wasn't fit. But instead he played McGinn, giving McGinn a bit more freedom and, and making Louise the deep sitter. I mean, for example, if Dendonka was in, he would probably be the deeper of the two of the defensive midfielders. Mm-hmm. But uh, McGinn had more license and a more better defined role than he did in the same position under Gerard, I would say. Uh, hasten to add but apart from that it was just who's playing left back this week that was the only decision Yeah, and in the first half you'd say he made the right decision yeah he was the main man wasn't he Moreno, Moreno wasn't it in was the, first was the half. out
0: ball and, and I thought he had a very good game difficult first half because obviously going the other way with Bowen running at him I thought he had a it was actually a really good battle I suppose to see them both yeah. um, going toe to toe I thought they both, both did really well in the first half but Moreno had a really great first
3: half I was quite surprised when he got brought off when he did really yeah because both teams chances were the best ones were predominantly coming from either Bowen and, and, and Moreno. So, uh, yeah. whoever got the most traction, and uh, overall, you'd have to say it was Moreno because just from that, you know, percentage stat in the first half.
4: Yeah, and of course it was Moreno's that led to the first goal. I mean, he had acres of space most of that first half. Whenever he, Villa sort of interrupted West Ham's play, that just there was so much space, and for once it was used. And Moreno was able to go in there and he put in a great ball for Watkins for that for that first goal and the downward header worked this week.
3: Yeah, it was exactly the same header that uh, Pickford managed to save against Everton. So it's obviously uh, in his bag of tricks, Watkins, the downward header and glorious. But it didn't last long, did it? No. Well, we
0: literally as soon as we got the lead, and obviously it was a great move, and some of our our sort of interplay going forward was was really really good. You thought, okay, this is how we want to play. Brilliant! I'm all for this. And you um, also
4: thought we're going to well, win. You this. Felt like a
0: second was coming as well. Yeah.
4: they were rocking. You mean? Yeah, they, they really were. And then they didn't expect Villa. Up. Yeah, didn't expect Villa to take the lead, and then when Villa did, as you can see, they're down at the bottom. And obviously, Villa fans know what it's like to be down the bottom. And if you do you can see the first one, it is your heads can drop. And that, at, uh, we, we'd highlighted in something for the weekend that
3: West Ham were in the bottom three for this season in terms of possession. So we expected to have the ball a bit more than you would as an away team going into this game. But I was surprised how much we were actually dictating this. So when the first goes in, you think, hmm, this 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 is interesting. Especially when you think, well, West Ham at some point are going to have to open up.
0: And even when we'd scored, they kind of opened up a little bit, and we were just popping it through the the, the phases. And every time Moreno was the outball, you know, Cash didn't really need to cross the halfway line in the first half. And, you know, I thought Ramsey McGinn did really well. Boyne I think they were all you now they were sort of scheming. It was it was good to see McGinn who was meant to be playing deeper actually really dictating the play. Yeah, Ramsey um, was linking up well as well. He was. Yeah, they were they were all involved in, and you know, had some really good moments. But then we
3: just not the first time we've conceded swiftly after taking the lead. You just look back to that Leicester game. Arsenal the way it swings that momentum you know going back to even like the Manchester United Cup game it's like yeah. you just you just want an extra 15 minutes longer than when you've taken the lead just to start putting the doubts in the opposition minds just to get your shape together but uh, again this this kind of threw the game open and you thought oh, this might be a firefight as soon as they uh, equalized but let's let's look at the penalty Oh, it's so frustrating isn't it that one if that happens, and it's not a given as a penalty, and VAR check it, VAR do not give it as a penalty. No I mean, you'd way, hope not. There is no way they turn that around the other way. So that's my premise when I am looking at this. And any excuse to have a go at Bailey is where most Villa fans are sitting at the moment. But when you look at the incident, I, you know, I, I haven't got an axe to grind it's very him unlucky. He's just trying to stop the opposition with without doing anything, you know, malicious. No, I mean, it, it, you could say there is a little bit of naivety there
0: because ultimately the ref gets given a decision to make. The West Ham guy's bought it completely. Oh, 100 percent But he's made the decision and he'd go, Oh, well there's clearly contact, which is which is minimal. And he's thrown himself to the ground. You just think, well, you're hoping for either a bit of you're hoping for a bit of justice from VAR or their guy smashes it over the bar and you go, well justice is done. But
3: We're in alas. we're in a predicament in the Premier League and you know it's been like this for years where there's no incentive not to dive.
4: You you might no, as no, well dive because... No,
3: there's a good chance you you will get the penalty. There's more chance than you won't get it. Yeah, Especially if there's
0: like a little bit of contact. As long as there's a little bit of contact, which there was,
3: you've got a fair chance. Yeah, you're not going to get booked for simulation unless there's absolutely zero contact. But if your shirt just brushes the other player's shirt, then you might as well
4: dive. Yeah, in a scenario like that as well, where the two of them are almost like isolated away from the scrum that was happening in the middle of the penalty mm-hmm. box, like all eyes are on them, like I said, if you're saying ba- Bailey's naive, the only thing he did was he had both hands up, and even though they probably didn't get a chance to touch the guy, and, and before he threw himself down, yeah. it just it just looked like it from from there until you see it back in. You go, oh, he has he's barely even brushed him, it's a bit like wouldn't really. There was more down.
3: physical shenanigans going on when they had a, they had several corners uh, in, oh, the well, first, dear, and in the first in the first over half. Every other yeah.
4: They? yeah.
0: There's one maybe five minutes later, 10 minutes later, and you think, well, that is a penalty. And Buendia all over Ings. Ings goes down. And you think, if, if you're a West Ham fan there, you think, well, that is a penalty. And
3: we might as well talk about it now. But then we have, oh, God, the, the one on Buendia. Yeah, later. The in one the game. on Buendia, which. Awful decision. I haven't seen it back, but at the time, well, this is worse than uh, the one they got in terms of contact. Well, Whether it's a penalty, physical contact. Yeah, whether it's a penalty or not, it, it, you don't even have to have that debate because it's worse than the one that they got. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, you know, if that's a penalty, this is a penalty by the rules that you're you're kind of playing to, and that just adds a bit more bitterness to their penalty.
0: Yes, which which to be fair, Ben, ben Rama absolutely rifles home. It's a great penalty, but and then really it, it it got quite tight, not tight as such, but it was very even. You know, Villa would have a swing, West Ham would have a go, and to be fair to them, you know they they did they did give it a go. Uh, as you, as, a, as we kind of thought they probably would, because they had to win the game. Yeah. I mean they if you'd open West, up chances for Villa, you know,
3: Villa had big chances after that. And West Ham, if they'd scored a get goal from open play, you, you would think fair enough. But yeah. it, just this they, one. They'd actually had some good approach play to be fair. You thought, okay, there may be
0: reasonable value, but in the manner that they get it, you're like, oh for fuck's sake.
3: Yeah, while while we had the ball more, I mean we finished with fifty-nine percent, they they did have more shots, seventeen to twelve, six on yeah. target to our four. Thirteen corners to two, so they may not have had been hogging possession uh, for as much as we did, but they, you know, they were a bit more direct. But they were
4: fashioning chances, and it was, you know, it was a lively end-to-end game. I'd that was good, decent watch. Yeah, yeah. when you said they went, um, they were very direct. They were in the second half, especially they were very direct. I mean, they just they put the ball in almost in the orbit for it to drop in behind uh, the Villas fullbacks, and as and with Bowen and Ben Ram, is it any wonder that they do get some joy because it just takes. You mean fullbacks are told double it bounce? It only takes the ball to bounce once they can go anywhere and then we're getting them behind. I think they were a bit
3: wasteful on the counter. I probably expected a little bit more because they had a few breaks uh, two against
4: two two against three, three against two. What was pleasing was for, for once, well, maybe not for once, maybe it's a trend now, the Villa midfield wasn't bullied physically where we have been before by West Ham. I mean, West Ham have been abject and still managed to beat Villa sometimes because yeah. of Rice and Suchek in the middle. I mean, yeah, Louise... very dominant in recent mm, years, especially yeah. when they've played against us. Louise and McGinn just managed to pass their way around them and Ramsey as well. Ramsey did was, you know, he had a very cool head in the game, Ramsey. He was setting up play just by sort of like nicking in and not panicking and passing it on, simple. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: that's where, the. You know, the big There was the big Watkins chance a little bit later in the half, which he, he should score. It's a good save from point-blank range. But some of the, again, some of the interplay, once we got through that press, we looked really good when we got on top of uh, West Ham in the final third. You thought every time we got in the final third, we were going to cause problems. Um you know, I think it's involved, is it Wendia to Ramsey? Ramsey with a cracking little pullback for Watkins. Watkins should score. And at that point, you think there are more goals in this for Villa. If we don't get one before half-time, if we play the way we are... And with Moreno being that out ball, you could only see it kind of going one way. And you thought, well, if Villa manage this game well, they should go on and win it. Now you kind of thought, well, West Ham are clearly going to come back into it second half. And they're going to have to fix the problem at, at fullback because Moreno was just terrorizing
1: them. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.
5: Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
2: Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery delivery now on the McDonald's app there's nothing quite like a mcdelivery at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com
3: yeah danny ings 85 minutes before they subbed him 10 touches he's he was up there with scott hogan the late great scott hogan yeah i mean (sighs) there was no threat really from ings to to be honest
0: it it was kind of similar to watching him when villa were playing badly you know there was Last season, at times where it was like they just weren't playing to his strengths.
4: Many Villa fans were saying he's going to score against us, it's in the yeah. stars. I was concerned that he would sort of know the tails for, from playing it out from the back. I thought he would maybe just mm-hmm. haven't seen it in the training that he would know which player that Martinez is going to pass the ball to and things like that. And West Ham might have pressed higher, but. They didn't wasted optionally for them. Maybe Moyes
3: didn't have a one-on-one meeting with him talking Villa tactics before the game because <laughs> only Emery does one-on-one meetings, according to uh, some some people you listen to. But yeah, he was pretty much non-existent as a threat. Their keeper though, Pirella, oh, really? only touched it twenty-two times, which kind of interesting. Martina's you know, way over that, but uh, you know, I never got sense that we were under the cosh against them. It was just more end-to-end. I think to the only end. time you thought we were, we were going to be in trouble was really
0: potentially from set pieces, just because of, because of the height they've got in there. And you, you didn't quite know if one of our lads was
3: going to pull a shirt or anything like that and they were going to get caught out. But They were causing chaos, weren't they? And you, yeah. you had a feeling, well, you saw at halftime they'd, they'd had seven corners to World 1, and you're just thinking, well, if they'd have another seven corners, I think they'll, get, they'll score off one of them.
0: They, they, they played like a David Moyes team in this game. Whereas I think in previous years West Ham have been probably known for playing a little bit better football, but I think they just they just bypassed the midfield. I think they know their midfield isn't working and Villa definitely had the you know, had the had the sort of the had their number on that on that side of things. Villa got got the ball down and played really well, but they didn't get Sučec and Rice dominating. It was basically, let's just get the ball long or get it out to the wingers as fast as we can.
3: Back in the 80s, 90s, West Ham, the DNA was always good football. But this, yeah. they just looked like Burnley on steroids. Yeah, we're
0: probably a little bit more down the flanks. But I know what you mean. It was, it was very much, let's just, we can't win this. We're not winning this midfield battle. Let's just get out the back four. Let's go long. Of which, to be honest, for the most part, I thought Mings
3: and Konza... dealt with everything that was thrown at them really well in terms of the substitutions it was a bit almost like pre-season throw everybody on at at stages I mean let's talk about he did did his normal swap the left backs was there really any rhyme and reason here because Moreno went off after 64 minutes and he was still being effective in the second half
0: yeah I did wonder at that point if he felt that Bowen and West Ham were going to come and maybe just wanted someone a little bit more solid and maybe say, well, we're not going to throw him forward as much. Of which, to be fair, Dinier did get forward a few times, um, but maybe we just want to be a little bit more solid defensively. I, I just um, that's my own, that's my only guess.
4: Yeah, I can't really work it out. It's it's almost they're almost identical. I mean, Moreno is sort of more direct, more when dynamic, when you get more dynamic and direct when he gets near the box. But whenever Dean Kamani did put in a good few crosses, it caused a bit of cut.
3: I think Moreno plays inside better. For example, yes. uh, yeah. Dean's instinct would be to swing in across while Moreno's more in threading a ball through or coming inside. So there's the difference there. It's yeah. more of possession and more how you're curating your attacks.
4: He likes yeah. to get to
3: the byline, doesn't he? And hit, hit sort of a, a pullback, as it, as it
0: were. Dean is much more likely to sort of swing it into the box.
4: Yeah. Well, maybe if there was an Emery's head then, that Duran was coming on and get Dean in, get him bedded in for a few minutes before that happens. But. Who knows?
3: But then you're taking off Bailey for Trurie. I don't know. I would have been half half tempted to bring Duran on at that stage. And almost play him out wide.
0: Because I think, because because I think he's probably a little bit more dynamic than Traore. As much as Traore is, you know, bigger and stronger than than Bailey, and the ball sticks. They're both equally frustrating. As much as Bailey was yeah. sort of very
3: frustrating at times in this one, you're kind of happy to see Traore just have curiosity value. Yeah, we well, haven't seen, seen him in More so such than a long anything time, else, but you're not seeing him as like, all oh, right, we're really going for it now. That's not that's mm-hmm. not the impulse you have when you see him come on. No, it was more
0: like a well, why not? We'll just give him a chance.
3: Yeah, yeah, obviously
0: had, I think, I thought the Ashley Young for Cash move was right. I thought Cash had a really difficult afternoon. Actually, it felt like West Hamard. They'd obviously tried to target both full-max, get after Moreno, but I think they, he did, he had done well later in the game. They were really going after Cash, and he, he just looked a little bit
3: sort of. For the most part, our passing
0: was good. I thought Cash was a little bit ragged in places,
3: but also the way the game was playing out, you, you're kind mm. of from a supporter's point of view, you, you're glad Young's on there just uh, yeah. as a wise head, and you know he, yes. he loves he loves these kind of contests.
0: But then Buendia for Duran. I think Buendia was getting, oh, he always does get angry, doesn't he? But I think he was getting quite frustrated. But he actually, actually had a pretty good game for the most part. He just didn't get his rewards for all his endeavour.
3: Yeah, but the fact that he was winding them up and obviously the penalty incident, you know, that suggests he was a problem for them. Well, he was in It was in the mix.
4: It's good to get it's good to get Duran bled minutes as well because even though he was only on for 10 minutes, he was involved twice where on a different day he could have scored.
3: Yeah, that's why I was, uh, I thought he might have, instead of that bailey True, I understand it's like for like, but I was just thinking if you bring in on Lucas Dean, then there would have been temptation to bring on Duran a little earlier.
4: But uh, hey-ho. And, and then after that, I mean, I, I still felt in the last five, ten minutes that there was going to be a goal on either side, but it, it sort of just, I wouldn't say it fizzled out, it almost like an anticlimax, only it ended early, because the referee, who have already said just gave the soft pound and then didn't give the villain. He seemed to blow up, you know, a couple of minutes early from what should have been. It was was, was
0: weird. Yeah, it was was six minutes on the board and then a couple of guys went down for maybe a minute. You're thinking, well, yeah. even normally you think, well, if it's six minutes, you often play seven. And I think he blew up on sort of five minutes and about 10 seconds if, if not a bit
3: more left, you like what are you doing? And Villarreal potentially, Villarreal had a free kick in a pretty good position at that point. People were joking and taking the piss out of the World Cup when there will be 10 minutes extra or whatever, but that that was real, you know, they, they were doing it properly to the watch mm-hmm. and that should have
4: gone on for eight minutes at least because of those yeah. two injuries in injury time. Yeah, at the end. Yep. Maybe it was just following all the West Ham fans and just trying to get home early because there was a lot of empty seats in the last five minutes even when you thought to yourself, there's a good chance your team are going to win this. What are you doing, leaving? might yeah. make yeah, getting away from there
0: though. But I think by the end, both teams were like, well, neither team's particularly content with the draw. I think the Villa fans were like, well, it's probably a fair result. But we we could have won and West Ham were probably thinking, well, we could have won as well. But I don't I think it was it was very much a fair result this one.
3: Yeah, I think I think that penalty, uh, the timing of it more so than anything else, did have an influence on the game because I think mm. it got West Ham engaged in this game quicker than they might have yeah. been. Because after, you know, and travel I- travel into the European game, if filler had uh, managed to stay ahead, in, let's say for an extra fifteen minutes and then the most likely team to score from then on in would have been Villa, I, I would imagine. I think if we'd have got
0: back ahead in that second half, I think we would have gone on and won the game. Yeah. Just because I, I looked at the way West Ham played in the first half when we took the lead. And I think if West Ham had opened up too much at any point in that second half, we would have picked them off. We'd have, if we'd have got the second, I think we'd have gone on and got the third as well. I don't think they were. They're, they're clearly not playing well enough to manage a game, as I think we are actually.
3: As I said in Match Club, this is a more of a, a performance that when you zoom out. It's part of progression in terms of next season. The way that we had possession in this game, completely different to how West Ham games have panned out in the last couple of seasons, at least. It's an encouraging step in terms of how Emery's kind of imprints on how he wants us to play is progressing. And you would say, certainly there's evidence that it is more effective. We could have easily have won this game. But we played in a way that it felt like a home game, especially in the first half, which is encouraging. And one of those games where, you know,
0: you're frustrated not to win, but you, you take enough positives moving forward, especially having, you have know, won the last two, you've put in a good performance there, you're going to Bournemouth knowing, you know, well, that, should, that should be a good game, but you win that one and you're right in the mix for where you want to be. And you can finish the season, you know, especially with the other guys you've got coming back. You think, well, you know, we're in a good position here. And it isn't, I don't, you know, I think if you, if you come away from that game going, you know, are we flattered to deceive? I think if, if the shoe was on the other foot, if Villa have snatched the draw with a dodgy penalty, you'd kind of go, well, what? You know, we've, we've snatched a draw against a, yep. a you know a relegation-threatened team. It'd be quite negative, but I think actually you go away from that going, well, better
3: teams than Villa have gone to West Ham in the last couple of years and come unstuck. And um, <laughs> from a West Ham point of view, you're thinking, yeah, well, we'll take a point in this one because we could have got uh, taken out. So that's that shows you uh, that it is a all-in, we're on the right path here because I don't yep, think you, you're grumbling if you're a West Ham fan there. After, well, certainly shouldn't be. Especially after the possession in the first half as well. Yep. Right, so before we, uh, before we move on, I just want to say a big uh, thank you to all the My Man Said members for supporting the show and also joining us in Match Club for this uh, West Ham game, which uh, is uh, on away match days. I mean, the first rule of Match Club is you don't talk about Match Club, but uh, if I can give you a subtle hint on away games, we do have kind of a live podcast where everybody mucks in, which is very enjoyable and the MyoMan oh said, "Hive mind always comes into play on in such games as well. If you become a MyoMan oh said member, as well as having access to the epicenter that is Match Club, and to connect into the the mom's hive mind, you also get ad-free shows. So if ads annoy you on the MyoMan oh said podcast." You can get rid of them just by becoming a member. Also, you'll get access to extra shows as well. A special thank you this week to uh, Nick Salter for joining up as a Mileman Said member and also to Joe Dickinson for signing up as an annual member. If you sign up as an annual member, you get 10% off, which is just over a month's free. So please do go to com and click on the members link for more details there. Before we go on, I just want to give a quick shout out to Penfold Pensions who have sponsored the shows over. For the last two weeks I won't go through uh, all the benefits of getting a pension with them uh, you can listen to the last show for that I just wanted to give them a quick shout out because this Sunday 19th of March is the deadline to their £40,000 pension fund giveaway, which all holders of Penfold Pensions will be entered into automatically. You can also get extra entries for transferring your other pensions into your pot or even just checking your forecast. So if you've been thinking of getting a Penfold Pension to get access to 25% government bonuses to everything you put in your pension, so if you put in £100 a month, you'll get uh, £25 a month from the government uh, as a tax bonus. And then you'll get compound interest on an expertly managed fund, depending on which fund you select. So for more details of that, and if you haven't set up, you can actually uh, get a £50 bonus on moms in your pension fund by signing up at getpenfold.com. P E N F-O-L-D for Penfold. penfold.com slash refer slash moms, M-O-M-S. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. And you can also get further details there. As with all investments, your capital is at risk. Pensions can go down in value as well as up, so you could get back less than what you invest. Right, let's have some medium up a tree.
4: Right then, Phil. What's in the medium weapon trough this week? Well, it's a bit trickier this week because usually I have a whole slew of BBC pundits so they can sort of pick from as well. But <laughs> they they all went out. They all vanished. Yeah, they all went out in sympathy with uh, Mr. Leniger. So I was thinking of doing the same myself, but no, I found one instead. We'll turn our attention to Villa, apparently looking to upgrade on Emmy Martinez oh, in the right, summer. Okay. Good That's one. impressive to upgrade on the keeper just voted the FIFA's number one. So I'm number interested. Number one's to know not how. good enough. Yes, we need more than number one. So the headline is: Emery could land big Martinez upgrade and Villa swoop for incredible twenty-five million colossus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry,
3: it's tickled me. I love, I love the uh, the wording on this. Uh,
4: this is from the MSN Sports um, Football Fancast's writer, Daniel Emery. Well, hopefully he's not a relation to Emery and he doesn't have a, an inside track. How, how do you upgrade in the world's number one goalkeeper?
3: Tell us, Phil,
4: tell us. Apparently the keeper in question is Inter Milan's Andre Onana. What they've done here is they've just looked for that one stat where he is better than Martinez, apparently. He's,
3: he's younger than Martinez. <laughs>
4: They said, in the Premier League this season, the current Villa goalkeeper has averaged a sofa score that well-renowned rating. Sofa scored a rating of 6.86 and saved 66% of the efforts in his goal. Meanwhile, Onana has averaged a score of 7.02 and saved 74%. So what? I mean, he's playing for Inter Milan. They're not exactly mid-table in, the, in Serie A. I think I'll stick with the World Cup winner who's getting a bit more practice at Villa.
3: Yeah, I think he's got a better hairstyle than Martinez. That's about all it's, he's got going for him, really. I mean, goalkeepers with a good haircut is, is, is kind of important, though
4: think with martinez saying that he he, he wants to go at bosnich's clean sheet record he was in mean, goal
3: wasn't he for ajax against uh, manchester united in the uh, europa league final wasn't he going back a few years ago i can't remember okay no, yeah i can't he mustn't have been colossal enough but he would have been young then because i think he's about 26 now yeah, he played a lot of games for ajax didn't he yeah he was he was 19 then we're going off on the tangent here, but he uh, on the day of the final, he he rang Van der Sar and said, "Um, uh, I, I, I'm not well. I, I, you know, I'm not. I don't want to play in the final." There's a good insight into his mentality. Hmm. And Van der Sar said, "Well, I'm old and I don't have any gloves, so you you go and play this game." <laughs>
4: with an Ajax connection maybe that's where Manchester United will look
3: and he said we were in the tunnel I saw De Gea just behind me six months earlier I was playing PlayStation using him and now I'm playing against him (laughs) (laughs) as I had recently been promoted to uh, the first team at Ajax I swore I would never play in fear again so uh, he he was shitting himself uh, back then I don't think Martinez would have been shitting himself at 19 years old that's why uh, we, we should keep Martinez. I would, I would say.
4: Uh, do you have any uh, media nuggets? Just one. Ollie Watkins did an interview with the the Sunday Times, and he talked about the differences under Emery in more detail than has been bandied about online this week. I mean, you referred earlier to the one-to-one meetings. Well, Watkins goes goes into it a bit in a bit more detail than a simple one-to-one.
3: Yeah, sorry, we're, we're referring to uh, certain tweets out there that are saying, oh, uh, Emery does detailed uh, analysis and has one-to-one meetings and focuses meetings on the next team they're playing. And it's like, well, every manager does all this. It's like, this is no, you know, tell us tell us why he does more, not just give us the broad strokes of what every manager does. I mean, oh, the novelty of focusing on the next team you're playing, one-to-one meetings with players, Th- these aren't revelations. And you see all the parrots... Just replying to these tweets, like, oh, finally, we've got a manager, you know, does it properly. It's like every manager does one-on-one meetings and focuses on the next team they're playing. You'd never heard of the, the saying, one game at a time. Anyway,
4: carry on. You see, this is where Watkins actually says what we need to hear. It's, ah, it's,
3: right, okay.
4: He says um, the, the differences in the previous coaching. So, Watkins talks about he now knows what to expect from his teammates, especially Amy Buendia. He says, in his words, before it was very off the cuff when it got into the final third. So, they were basically left to, you know, make some magic. A little bit of sparkle, wasn't it? Steve Bruce said in, in the final yeah. third, um, but now he knows, ex- in his words, he knows exactly what Wendy and his other teammates are going to do with the ball whenever they get it. So Watkins knows the runs to make that he's, he's going to get in the end of. But better than that, Watkins has also been told by Emery to, to just stay in the box. And Watkins says he puts it as bluntly as don't go there, stay in there. So you can just see him just pointing and saying that. That's similar. Yeah, I isn't saw,
3: I saw uh, some punditry from uh, Thierry Henry. It's, is it the zoner show the the one that goes out to the US where it's him Carragher and uh, Mikhail Richards. You may have seen clips uh, on social media. That's the only way where I I see them. And uh, he's they're talking about Haaland and Thierry Henry says under Wenger he would. It's not a matter of just like what you you know you do and players you know, just feed you in, as you're kind of saying, it's off the cuff a bit more. It's like you analyse what does Perez want to do? Perez likes to do a one-two. How does Burkamp want the ball? How does he want to receive the ball to maximise what he does with the ball? Where do you have to give the ball to Freddie Lundberg to get the best out of him? And what does Freddie Lundberg expect as soon as you receive the pass from him? So it's like individually, what do your teammates actually do and how do you play it to them to get the best out of them and this is I think what what Watkins is uh, alluding to rather than just playing as if they're just over players you actually individually analyze how they want what they're likely to do with it so you have a lot more of a deeper understanding and hopefully that gels you together as a team playing on the same wavelength because we've seen it many times with Buendia previous to uh, Emery where it was almost like he was playing on a different wavelength like in a different stratosphere at times, where he's making balls, and you think, oh, good ball, but nobody reads into it. So it becomes frustrating, and you're starting to put blame on Buendia for being almost ahead of the curve with some of the things he's trying. But then you think, well, if people learn about Buendia and what he's likely to do and how he, prefers to play, then you might get more players on the same wavelength. We we shall see. And it, it seems to be working because I don't think we're as frustrated with Buendia because he's trying things than we used to be. And it's not his fault. It's just other people weren't on the same wavelength.
0: And I think I, I get the feeling with... Emery, you know, on the training ground, that they will have set patterns of play. Not that all teams won't, but they'll have really set patterns of play how they want to play in and around the penalty area. And that's when when Diaz at his best. I think you know, the fact that he's working more with someone like Jacob Ramsey, I think they can have a good partnership there. I think having someone like a Moreno, where you know you've got your out ball out wide every time, will help him as well. Yeah. Because it will open up the field a little bit and give him probably more more space to play through the middle
3: it was under Gerard we were playing through the eye of the needle yeah so I think this is just another as I've said before you zoom out and it's it's all part of the getting this show ready for uh, next season yep. once everybody's really on the wavelength and knowing how each other plays then uh, it should be interesting yeah. I mean just from the West Ham performance it's a tick in the positive box for me I, I, I see the progression here I, you know I don't see the progression in that Palace game I'm not subscribing to the oh we've found a way to win ugly I mean what does that mean you've managed to uh grind it out so it's it's a good indication on character yes but against West Ham even though we didn't win you actually saw actually this is uh steps in the right direction in terms of how we're how we're playing before we go just overall picture I think we're going to struggle to get out 11th a Villa team that's going for the European places this season probably wins this game doesn't it
0: I, I, I just think Europe was a nice it's a nice idea it's nice to have something to aim for but I just look at the running of fixtures which there are it's a really difficult running when you look at those games
3: especially the back end I think end. it's a bit
0: unrealistic the back end like the last probably four or five when you've got like Liverpool Spurs are going to have stuff to play for Brighton something to play for you've got to go to Old Trafford they're going to have something to play for Wolves where we don't tend to do very well then you've got to play the teams around you in terms of Brentford, Fulham, etc. As well, there's some difficult games in there. Newcastle to come to Villa Park. That's what I'm it's, saying. It's
3: these are the games, these fine, you know, finite games where oh, you know, we could have won that. If you're not yeah. winning them, you know, you know where you're going to uh, potentially end. But there's up. An op-
0: there is an opportunity there. You know, I, I sort of before the game, I said there's a little opportunity here. Phils used the phrase like a hump game. This was a, like a little mini hump game because I think if you'd have won this one with the way some of the results had gone around you, you, you level on points with Chelsea, and would it have been four points off sixth because of the way other teams have been going? And you think well. Oh, you're kind of in the mix, but it'd have been five off sixth. Yeah, but you're in the mix. Was at the moment you're still pulling away from everything beneath you, and that's that's a positive in itself. But you want to be able to keep the season kind of going and something to play for for as long as possible. I still think top ten is ultimately the goal, and it's something we are more than capable of doing. But we're probably we're probably going to have to get results. I, th- I think Europe's just a bit too
3: ambitious. I'm framing this season. It's very simple. It's very binary. It's just like top half. Yeah.
4: Yeah, that is that is the aim, and there's a chance one of those teams above us may just have a, an implosion, just a, a loss of form at the wrong time.
3: And I still think there there are teams there that Villa can beat. Well, we're still after Brighton, Fulham, and Brentford. I, I'm going to write Chelsea. I think there's, there's you know they've won what the last three now. If they're getting yeah. nicked together, I'm not putting my colours on the mess and saying Villa are going to finish higher than Chelsea now. So that's one out of the equation. So you're looking mm-hmm. at Brentford, Fulham, Brighton. You've got to finish yep. above one of them. Yep, yep. Simple as that is the equation for this season,
0: and probably should. You know, when you zoom out and you look at the form table since Emery's arrived and all that sort of stuff, we're in a good place. But you need to keep your momentum, and there's some some difficult games later in the season. You need to you, know, you need to be putting the points on the board now. And West Ham was an opportunity. It's not a big opportunity missed, but it's an opportunity that you, you know, if you aspire to be in that mix, you think you've just got to go there and you find a way. Which Villa have managed to do a lot, to be fair, since Christmas. When you think about like you know Leeds and the Palace game and going to Everton and doing that, it was you know it's a it's a point gain, but it's also you know it's it's an opportunity that you could have could have made a little bit of a dent again. It's like the Leicester, like
3: that. That's one. You it, should it, be, it probably
0: becomes um, should be it, winning it, to get into Europe. Yeah. It it becomes probably a better result if you
3: beat Bournemouth next. Well that was what we had to do anyway to finish top half is yep. get four points out of these two games. Bournemouth's gonna be yep. tricky just because you know, they beat Liverpool. Yeah. And this is a team that's just whooped Manchester United seven nil and Bournemouth recently, you know, they only lost to Arsenal because of, they conceded pretty the much... 97th uh, minute, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 97th minute. They beat Wolves away, which is no mean feat uh, from a Villa mm-hmm. point of view. They drew at home against Newcastle, won all. So it's going to be tough. It's not like a... Th- guaranteed three, three points, yeah. And of course, they beat us at the start of the season, which the Villa hierarchy shut their pants about because they weren't expecting... yeah. <laughs> Not Apparently. in the slightest, were they? they re- yeah, they really... Uh, they just assumed like, well, they were going to win could... that game.
0: Mm. But ultimately, it's a game you should be winning. Difficult game, but any aspirations to be where we want to be, you've, you've got to get the job done. Hard game or not, just get it done.
3: Yep. since Emery has taken over, Brentford have had 23 points, Villa have had 23 points, Brentford a superior goal difference by plus eight. And then Brighton are two points off Emery's form, but they have a game in hand, so they could potentially, if they win that, obviously betterers and then Fulham are three points off but they've actually played one more game so those two three teams that we have to kind of haul in have been pretty much playing a similar way as uh, in terms of uh, results as uh, Villa have under Emery so it's it's not as if we've got any momentum over them we are traveling at the same speed as they are yeah so we're gonna have to when we come head to head with them and we, d- we do play all three of them yep Fulham at home Brighton at home on the last day Yep, yeah, and then Brentford away um, end
0: of Brentford April, away. which you know it might be without Toné or with or without, who knows?
3: So you got to win those games, simple as that, really. Right, until we are back at Villa Park to take on the Cherries and see if we can avenge the first day of the season that wrecked Gerard's dreams of leading Villa to the European Cup. <laughs> <laughs> that seems impossible, doesn't it? When you look back at it now, well, it was at the time, but we had hopes until the Cherries. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye.
2: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
5: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode. And even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
3: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.